Thank you for listening to the Matt's Movie Reviews podcast, available on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Stitcher. Also, please follow Matt's Movie Reviews on Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, Reddit, Instagram, and MeWe. And of course, be sure to visit mattsmoviereviews.net for the latest reviews, top 10 lists, and more. Now, on to the show. I'm evil. Evil isn't a clinical diagnosis. I'd like to ask about why you brought me here today. Do you believe in demonic possession? No. Well, you won't believe anything we're about to tell you. And give me something to make me believe you. Okay. Let me inhabit you. He got in your head, didn't he? He claims he's a demon. He's a master manipulator. By the time he's done with you, you have your head so twisted around you think you're the killer. Before you leave here today, you will have committed three murders. Why would I do that? What what, what are you doing? My name is Nefariamus. Names are important. They have power. They let everyone know who we are. (laughs) Hello and welcome to the Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast. I am your host, Matthew Pekovich, and this is episode number 521. Releasing April 14th in cinemas across the U.S. is Nefarious, a supernatural thriller that stars Sean Patrick Flannery as a demonically possessed murderer awaiting execution who, in his final hours, tries to convince a non-believing psychiatrist into delivering his manifesto to the world. A chilling and thought-provoking example of fine Catholic horror filmmaking that features excellent writing and a commanding performance from Sean Patrick Flannery Nefarious also marks the latest film by Carrie Solomon and Chuck Consulman, who I'm glad to say joins me now on the podcast. Carrie and Chuck, thank you so very much for your time today. Thank you very much, thank Matthew. Thank you for having us on. You know, I was saying to you both off air before we began that when it comes to kind of like demonic possession movies, I get a lot of them sent my way. And I find that even though these are films, I mean, the granddaddy of these films is The Exorcist. And I think what people forget about that movie is that it's a thoroughly Catholic film, that film. Um, William Peter Blatty was a a practicing Catholic. The themes in the film are very strong. And people think about The Exorcist and they think of Linda Blair and the pea soup being vomited and such. But the film is called The Exorcist. It's more about the film, about the priests in the film and the faith and the themes surrounding that movie. So when I watch this film, Nefarious, I am heartened to find that this movie is different to the others in that it doesn't deal in exploitation it doesn't delve into anti-religious themes it's a movie that deals with spirituality it deals with very distinct catholic films it's also a movie i've got to say that's really dialogue driven as well so carrie when you're putting this film together what was the thing that really kind of drove both you and Chuck to put together a movie like this? Because number one, not only is it different to the films that you've both done before, but number two, when it comes to the realm 
of not only demonic possession movies, but faith-filled movies, this movie really is a 180 compared to everything else that was in the market beforehand. I think that uh, we did the movie like most of our work. You know, we felt that we had a calling from above. We felt that uh, it was time for this. I don't know how it is around the rest of the world, but I know in America, when you walk out your door now, it is very, very dark. There's something different. Something has changed. And what we found is the experience with our work is that the Lord usually has us do something that is appropriate for the moment in time. So I just think this is a very important film because it deals with evil. And I think evil is is running amok. It's 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 gone crazy. And so we felt called to do it when we kind of wandered away and did other stuff. We were brought back to do it. So, you know, two, three, four, five, ten times. It's not a coincidence. You know, we don't believe in that anyway. So we knew that uh, the Lord was saying for us to go and do this movie. And it was difficult. Not only were we under demonic attack, but the writing of the script was br- it was just brutal. It took us a year. It was brutal. Normally, we do a script in two or three months. And, Carrie, can I just confirm, is this movie a prequel of sorts to the Stephen Deese, Deese books of the same names, or are they inspired by those in any way? Because I know he's a producer in the film. I know he has some books called um, with a nefarious title. So are they kind of like the precursors to those, the narratives of those books? No. Uh, what happened was Steve helped us a lot on Unplanned. He called us up one day. He sent his book over to us. His book is, uh, how would you say, Chuck? It's a... a, it's his, a his book is sort of a, a series of, for lack of a better term, sermons. They're sort of theological conservative ther- sermons about a demon, uh, a demon stream of consciousness thought of how it took down the Western Western civilization. But, but there really general. wasn't any story in it. You know, it was we needed a second character. So we said to Steve, look, I think this can be a movie. He wanted us to do a movie. His team wanted us to do the movie. I said, you're just going to have to understand that we need to create the story, but we will wheel it back into the book you know we'll do we'll honor you we'll leave it consistent with the character that you've created he could the character mm. that he created was a sort of a lieutenant of hell lord general uh nefarious and we said yeah we can use that character that will become our main character actually uh it kind of passes the main character test and that you have to name the movie after the character like a dracula or a frankenstein right twist that matter and uh and it was consistent and steve was steve was thrilled with the, with the treatment and Steve, we we've kept Steve involved in the whole process, but he's 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 extremely pleased with the with the the end result, and as he should be. Um, Chuck, I want to ask you about you know movies and TV as kind of like a a source of evangelization in a sort of way. Um, I listened to a um an interview you did before in regards to this movie. Um, you kind of talked about how this movie is kind of like a source of God smuggling in a sort of way, in that the film in regards to the marketing and other things can um, appeal itself to people that maybe didn't want to watch a faith-filled movie and then they're watching the movie and then they realised, oh, I see what this movie's about. I like it. I'm watching it. I'm going to listen to some more about it. So that's where they kind of, that God me part of it comes in. I am a big kind of like advocate of having movies and TV and pop culture as a whole uh, being the source of evangelization. I think it worked in the past. We had... Um, uh, um, um, uh, Martin Fulton Sheen um, uh, do that through his radio shows. We've had um, uh, Sister Angelica do that through the the early days of EWTN. Even Billy Graham doing his stuff as well. I think those are really imp- those were really important linchpin parts of um, having Christianity talk to people through um, 
um, traditional media means. And I think films, as we're seeing right now, actually, we've kind of like the burgeoning kind of like a fake film market happening now are a very important part to have it out there. Um, yourself as a filmmaker, both you and Carrie doing this for a while now, how important do you think it is to make sure that we have movies and TV and other avenues as well um, really do really being a rich source of evangelization um, to be, make sure we can reach out to people who not only are, are Christians, but also are not Christians as well. So we can have a really kind of broad spectrum because I think for too long, too many people have been afraid to use those mediums to really reach out and talk about the things that Nefarious talks about. Yeah, I think it's critically important. And I think it's critically important across, as you say, all aspects of entertainment, particularly film. You know, there's a reason why 2,500 years ago, uh, Plato decided that drama should not be allowed in his idea of the perfect republic. And the reason they didn't want it there was it was too powerful. It got people to change their minds and to t undertake actions based on emotion rather than logical thought. They said, that, well, that's just too dangerous for us to have around. Uh, the other side, the opposing worldview, has understood that for the last 100 years. We've been late in coming to the table, and we've ceded all of that ground to the enemy. So uh, as you talk, as you mentioned, right, our kind of internal term for it is God smuggling. To borrow from C.S. Lewis yet again, um, he had said, we don't need more Christian books. We need more books by Christians. Mm. Uh, well, this, the same is true for film. We don't need more on-the-nose Christian films per se. We need more films that are made by Christians and then carry a Christian, Judeo-Christian worldview within them as part of the DNA. And then what happens is that will go on to influence the perceptions and and the uh, the worldview and ultimately the actions of our culture. It's how we lost a lot of Western civilization and it's how it can be reclaimed. You know, Andrew Breitbart, who was a journalist here in the States, um, was famous for saying that politics is downstream from culture. Well, culture yeah. is downstream from pop culture. It all starts with the movies. It always has. And the movies, even if someone is a non-believer or wherever they are, Watching a film is the easiest way to try on a worldview you don't necessarily believe in or believe with. And then you're, you're psych psychologically, you begin, you begin experimenting with that. So if we can get people to start experimenting with the idea that there is a creator God in film, I think it could have tremendous long-term consequences. And I think it's really important for people to realize that it can films or other mediums as well. I mean, I'm a father of two boys, and I'm I'm tr I'm raising my boys in the faith. But I find that the traditional way, ways of doing so, even though I still find it important, just like going to mass um, and things like that, um, sometimes don't really break through with like a younger mindset. So I use other things as well. I find TV shows, I find movies, I find comic books, um, things that are more into like um it's almost kind of like almost like translating it to kid language in a sort of way to try to break it down and trying to get that things to them and i think it's important but carrie you know i think what's really important in regards to a film like nefarious and other films lately like something like father stew that came out last year is that you know there's a perception about what a christian film should be and unfortunately i think a lot of christians and a lot of christian leaders um are really pushed that perception which which they say it has to be safe has to be light it has to be almost like a hallmark channel version of, of 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 a movie um the problem i have with that and look that's all well and good but the problem i have with that that anyone who has read their bible and knows about the, the gospels and other things as well is that 
a lot of the um, a lot of the stories in the Bible, in the gospel, and the history of the church and the the history of of uh, Jesus's times and the times of the um, disciples is that the reality is they weren't living a hallmark life. There was there was a lot of hardship. There was a lot of suffering. Jesus was with there on the ground with people who were suffering, who were neglected. And he really got down and dirty and made sure that those people were taken care of. And I think the films need that as well. They need to get not down and when I say down and dirty, not to some type of exploitative kind of way. I'm not talking about Game of Thrones here, but you need films to shock the system. There's a reason why The Passion of the Christ became such a big film, right? It was something that really spoke the truth, but spoke the truth in a way visually that also brought a, a shock to the system and woke people up from their comfy confines of what their Christianity they, they perceived to be. Now, how important is it, Kerry, to make to that not only are there films out there, Christian films, um, you know, speaking to us as, as Catholic Catholic films, but we need to have films that really, you know, we need to get to the crux of what humanity is. And a lot of times humanity can be ugly and we need to combat that we need to expose that and we need to also say um even though there is ugliness out there um there is a light out there as well and that light is god and we are showing god through you know this ugliness and we're making sure that um the ugliness is exposed and that it can be also um be revealed to be um what's the word i'm looking for um there is redemption there in the end as well i couldn't agree more um you know i think that life is real you know, uh, I can go out my door today, God forbid, and get mugged or killed or, you know, besides the random of factors is, you know, evil is real in the world. And I think that people have to come to the realization. The Bible doesn't say retreat and build a Christian ghetto where only you live. He, the Lord says for the people to go out, become salt and light and so forth. He says specifically, he sends his apostles to other countries that are violent and nasty and pagan. And I think what's happened now, especially in the church, uh, not only the Catholic church, but especially in the evangelical side, I see a pagan Christianity, a redesigning mm. of Christianity. And what they've done is that they they take what they like and they leave what they don't like. So we're so you know they say, oh, we're supposed to love everyone. Yes, Jesus says that. But he doesn't say by allowing sin, by allowing what they want, and so on and so forth. And so Christians are retreated into this ghetto. And it's and by the way, God's Not Dead was a very out, very in-your-face kind of thing where we were bringing on that battle. I'm not afraid of doing material that does that. Uh, but I think that the reality is what I love about this movie is that it doesn't hide. It says it's not kind of kind of gentler. Well, maybe there's a devil, but let's not think about it. No, there is a devil. He's after your soul. There is good. There is evil. Pay attention. I believe that the devil is frantic right now because his time is short. And the bottom line is he wants to get as many souls as possible. The wheat is definitely being separated. Uh, the wheat is being separated into the chaff as well. You know, those who are not paying attention the Lord is still trying to reach them. He uses a movie like this. But this movie is going to reach on both sides. It's going to reach the believer who says, I've got to become better. I've got to stop playing with my Ouija board or tarot cards mm. or going to fortune tellers or yoga or Reiki or all this other insanity. And on the other side, they're going to say, well, you know, evil is bad. Is there a devil? They're going to contemplate it. So I think this is a unique thing. And I think, look, the bottom line is a movie maker. If I had a story about, let's say, a guy who is a, a gangster, you know, a gangbanger, 
and he comes, let's say he becomes a priest by the end of the story. Let's say it's an amazing true life story. And there are stories like that. In the first act, I can't have him say, well, gee whiz, I mean, oh, shucks. Because the audience is not going to relate to that, especially the other gangbangers who maybe want to change their way. You've got to get orthi- We need authenticity. That's what it lacks, right? Right. Where did Jesus go? Why was Matthew upset with Jesus when he was dealing with Magdalene, Mary Magdalene? She was a whore and prostitute and all these things. And she was the, and he's saying, and he was repulsed by her, but Jesus wasn't. He had dinner with these people. He's not here for the the perfect people. He's here for the flawed people. Well, your movies need to be the same way. Same thing with TV. Now, it shouldn't be abusive. It shouldn't be. uh, um, The best explanation is that the portrayal of sin should not become an occasion of sin for the audience. Right. You don't mm. use it to titillate your audience, you know. Right. So, okay, if you have a, a woman that's a stripper, you don't show sex scenes to arouse the audience. You show her story, you know, and I think that's very, very powerful. And people, look, I relate to the movies. I relate to this movie. I see this. When I was a kid, I went to a fortune teller's. I did all kinds of stupid things, and I regret it now. But at least this confirms to me that there is a good and an evil, a right and a wrong, a God and the devil. The Matt's Movie Reviews podcast is brought to you by Tee Public. Tee Public is the world's largest marketplace for independent creators to sell their work on the highest quality merchandise. With over 1.2 million designs, Tee Public is sure to have something you love. The Matt's Movie Reviews podcast is brought to you by Amazon. The world's leading online store, Amazon is your first stop to buy a wide range of products at competitive prices with fast delivery times. Amazon is also a world-class entertainment hub that includes Prime Video, Audible, Twitch, Amazon Music, and more. Sign up with Amazon today and experience the best in online shopping and entertainment. Please support Matt's movie reviews on Patreon. Get access to exclusive content, request movie reviews and top 10 lists, and help support my work. Please click on the Patreon link in the description below. You know, something I think, um, Chuck, that it will help in kind of like that kind of crossover appeal in regards to this movie is the performance from Sean Patrick Flannery. I think it's incredibly remarkable performance. This, I was watching this, uh, I know his work, um, early day stuff, you know, Boondock Saints and such, and some of the other stuff is done lately. Though. But I think this is the best thing he's ever put to film, TV, whatever. Um, what was, I mean, what was well, like, number one, Chuck, working with him? And number two, getting, um, casting him in the role as well. Um, how did you, um, was, he, was he an actor you, you know, beforehand? Was he someone that you were looking into doing a role? How did that kind of come about? What was it like having him work on this movie? Because, it's a really intense performance. It looks like it's a performance that was all, I, I say performance that was all in. It seems like every part of him, physical, psychological, spiritual, was in this film. And you can really see it on the screen as well because I found it kind of almost almost kind of like a emotional Olympics kind of like while watching what he was doing on screen because it was just incredible. Because not only, not only was the, they kind of like the emotion was there, but also that dialogue. He's like a lot of his stuff is like a lot of kind of like back to back monologues, and he just not only was it did a well, but the authenticity of it was kind of uh, frightening at times. Yeah, we had worked with Sean back twenty years ago, and he was the most skilled actor we'd ever worked with. 
and we knew that he was he just had a whole another gear in terms of what he could do so he was who we really wanted to work with on this from the start and we sent him the script very early on in the process and he said i'm in so we knew that was one less thing to worry about and hmm. we we chatted with him a little bit as far as uh delivery and stuff we we encouraged him to deliver the dialogue quickly uh, i don't know if we quite understood how quickly he would how much he would embrace that but part of what we wanted for the portrayal was that when the character was playing the demon, when the demon was in control, we wanted to make it seem as though there was absolutely no hesitation in terms of answers, that his mind worked so quickly that his only limitation in terms of delivering dialogue was the limitation of a human body that it had to come through. And he was hmm. always three moves ahead on the chessboard of, of his human opponent. And Sean just did a wonderful, wonderful job with that. I believe it's an Academy Award-winning performance. I don't. I defy anyone to look at that performance and say there will be a better performance this year than that. I mean, I just don't see it. Now, politically, I don't know if Hollywood can go there because of the political bias and the propaganda. But, you know, they're not going to go there, I'm guessing. But the bottom line is we're putting them in for an Academy Award. I think it's amazing. I mean, this is, he was out of, this was, this was great. And he knows it, by the way. He said, this is the highway. If I never work again, this is, this is my mark on the world. And he, he understood the importance of this role and he totally consumed it. Yeah. yeah. Um, Carrie, I just want to confirm something, a, a story that I heard about on the set in regards to Sean. Um, it was around Christmas time uh, and you needed him for one more day. <laughs> and these are true. That, uh, I'll, I'll, maybe I'll, I'll have you uh, tell us the story, but I'm going to set it up. It's Christmas time, and these are one more day. And then uh, he calls his wife and family and then hands you the phone and he says, You tell him what happens after that. Okay. So, uh, we, we're on the last day of shooting. You know, it's a, it's a, we, we're out of money. We're out of time. The crew has been castrated by uh, a union strike, which was totally immoral. Uh, you know, we had so many problems between COVID. It was just the devil was attacking us. I mean, we had people in accident, eight accidents in 11 days. I mean, it was just crazy, all the stuff. And it continues to this day. Our office building had the roof torn off. I mean, it's just crazy stuff. Uh, and so Sean comes to us and I said, Sean, we're running a little late. We've got the big scenes. We're not going to be. The crew is exhausted. We need. We need you to stay. It's about six p.m. at this point, right? And Sean has Sean has a five-hour drive to get home, and he's promised his kids he's going to be home tonight. They're going to see so, daddy. So we're pleading with him, like, could you just go tomorrow and just stay the night? The crew has agreed. We'll push, and he just kind of smiles at me and very Sean-esque, and is very confident, very charismatic. He pulls out his phone. And uh, he calls his wife and I'm figuring he's calling her to tell her I won't be home today. I'll be home tomorrow or whatever. And uh, he then says, say, sweetie, uh, baby, listen, uh, the directors want me to stay. I'm not coming home tonight. They don't want me to come home tonight. And then he hands me the phone and he says, oh, by the way, put the kids on. And he gives me his eight, seven and 10 year old, I think, or, or six and nine year old at the time. And I'm like. And challenges another And he says, if you can convince them, I'll stay. And he has a big smile on his face because he knows I'm dead. So being from Jersey, uh, I had to think fast. So I take the phone and I said, uh, hi, guys, listen, your father is doing a great job. But I got to let you know the most amazing thing. 
Uh, he's supposed to be home tonight, but I spoke to Santa Claus and I said to Santa Claus, <laughs> look, we need you to bring extra special gifts to your to these two boys and because they're going to help us and they're going to allow their dad to stay one more night. And and Sean's face changed and he smiled like, in other words, OK, you got me. And they're cheering <laughs> on the other end of the phone. What I didn't account for is then Sean's wife grabs the phone from the kids and stares me down. At that point, I handed the phone back to Sean. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's too I good. Think- I hope. I hope the kids got those extra presents as well. I hope they I did hope too. So too. I don't think he gets outplayed too often. But yeah, was... but I think he he was buying them a, uh, a trampoline, trampoline or something. Trampoline was right? one of the, yeah. So he had to construct. But they, they did end up getting uh, taken care of. He's a oh, good daddy. That's, that's... Yeah, I heard that story uh, told before, but I, was, uh, I just wanted to make sure that everyone else heard that because I think it was just fantastic. Hey, um, they, absolutely. That's part of movie making people don't realize. Yeah, good job, by the way. Um, Chuck, i got to ask you, you know, in the film, the character of the Farious, the the, um, the demonic uh, character that um, Sean plays, or one of them he plays, um, he is creating his manifesto, his dark gospel um, that he wants to put out to the world. You know, I don't know about you, but it seems to me that that dark gospel has seems to be read and embraced by too many people these days. You can kind of see it. I don't know about you guys, but it seems like the world's been kind of like flipped upside down. It's like what was man is now woman. What is this is that and everything else. And it's just kind of crazy right now. Um, you know, they use they, the old saying is that Satan tricked the world to believing he doesn't exist. But to me, it seems like not only is his uh, presence open, but it seems to be embraced as well to the point where you have like a uh, satanic church now going out into doing protests and in claiming freedom of uh, religion and such like really kind of crazy stuff and people making documentaries about him and embracing and all this other nonsense when it comes to this film and how we talk about the nature of evil and there's a great line in the movie where the character nefarious says that the ultimate evil is the destruction of creation and I, I, I totally believe that as well. I mean, what's more evil than seeing God's creation being destroyed bit by bit? How important is it that people really understand the presence of evil is not only among them but flourishing because I think nefarious kind of reminds, well, we remind a lot of people, uh, not myself because, I, I, like I said, I, I, I could see it just this thing happening in front of all of us that so many things that people embrace these days that that may seem like freedom, that may seem like um, choice, and may seem like um, a, a secular world uh, that's like a secular utopia is in fact um, a plan, uh, evil flourishing um, in all corners of of our society. Yeah, I mean that's part of what the what the film is about. It's 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 an, it's this idea that. We've gotten to a point now where the devil need not hide that he's deliberately unmasking himself and presenting his agenda, and and he's saying not only are you, uh, you you're no longer afraid of it, you'll embrace it, and, and that's part of what's going on on a societal level. We haven't invented really much for new sins. We've just uh, embraced the ones that we had, and in some cases, we're defining ourselves based on them rather than repenting of them. And so that's that's sort of what this film is uh, is is about. We're at that moment where we're either going to fall into the mouth of madness, or there's going to be some form of 
another great awakening in our society and we're going to be re-evangelized at some level and we're going to choose to step back. I think that's one of the great callings of this movie. I mean, I think this is a trumpet. This is a trumpet to tell people, look, pay attention, look at this. You have to realize there is evil. It's obvious. And the movie, the anointing on the movie cuts into people's hearts and basically lets them know you have a choice. And I think right now, by the way, what you were saying about good being bad and so on, that's biblical. That's right in the Bible. It says good will be bad. Right will be wrong. Everything you can. Men will be women and women will dress like men. Tattoos all over their body. Pagan images. Mm. These are all these are all significant signs that the devil, like you said, he's out now. He is not hiding. He's boasting. He's gloating. And so yeah. the movie is like, in other words, okay, you want to gloat, that's fine. But we're allowed to point at you and say, there's the devil. That's him. Now, if you don't believe now, you're in big trouble because he's standing right there. And look what he's doing. I defy well, anyone. I think, yeah. Yeah. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I defy anyone to look at the things that are going on in this world, the destruction of children in mass, not only from an abortion point of view, but ripping people's genital. I mean, come on. I, I saw a picture that the, the, that was in America with a, a girl that had her breast taken off and she's smiling, laying in the bed with sti- a thousand stitches across her chest or whatever it is. And she's smiling. She's been convinced this is a good thing. And it's yeah. a little bit. It's a kid. I mean, th- you cannot tell me that evil is not running amok. And then there are people that are enforcing it on top of that. We've lost our way. And now. The Lord is calling out to us. And I believe, by the way, those who heed the call will be saved. And those who don't, unfortunately, they will be his. And I think that what's important about Nefarious is that, you know, number one, I'm just going to say above all everything else we talked about, it's a great film. It's a great performance. It's a great film. The dialogue in the direction is fantastic. You have great editing in this film. I believe the editor you have to work in on the film has worked on some really big kind of horror movies. Um, I think he did stuff on Midnight Mass, and I think he did stuff on Get Out as well, and other movies like that. It's well-placed, well-crafted, well-performed, but it's also a film that has a message. Um, the message is, is you know, forthright. The message is authentic, and I think it's really important to everyone out there not only to – watch the film because of the performances, because of the craft, but also because of the message. And I know that Nefarious has received a very harsh rating, which is just ridiculous. We're talking off air about, about that, just how ridiculous it is. But I encourage everyone out there that when this movie comes out, April 14, um, when you look at the rating, don't think you're going to be watching some type of, I don't know, um, Linda Blair, 180, head spinning, you know, blood kind of like thing. You're not going to see that. In this film, okay, uh, the rating is just a ridiculous kind of indictment of the film as opposed to a representation of the film. Uh, and I encourage everyone just to keep that in mind and to watch this film, um, talk about it, spread the word, let people know that there's a film out there, like so many other great faith-based films out there, that is putting this message out there um, that you know there is evil in the world, but there's also people out there who are willing to stand up and combat that evil as well in the name of God. And i got to say, both Carrie both, uh, and, and Chuck, you both you guys are doing such a great job in doing that. You did it with Unplanned. You did it with God's Not Dead. i got to say, though, that Nefarious is the best thing I've seen you guys do. I think it's a fantastic movie. Sean Patrick Flannery is fantastic in it. Jordan Dorpy is fantastic in it as well. As a horror fan, as a Catholic, as a film critic, and, and, and as a movie fan in a whole, 
It's one of my favorite movies of the year. Sean Patrick Flannery should definitely be considered for awards consideration. I don't know if it's going to happen because of the political nature of awards bodies these days, but hands down one of the best performances. And everyone out there listening, April 14 in cinemas, nefarious. Watch it. Embrace it. Talk about it. And then watch it again. Let's get some more ticket sales out there because I think we need to have more movies like this in the mainstream. This is time time now for people to stand up um, and not only put their money where their mouth is, but also perhaps one day they're gonna um, they're gonna embrace their own uh, artistic side and have and we, so we can have those Christian, uh, Catholic, what have you, uh, filmmakers and storytellers telling the stories that we need to see, just like Chuck, um, you and Carrie have been doing. So I just want to say congratulations to you both. Thank you for your time. God bless you both. And uh, best of luck with the film's release. I hope it does really well for you. God bless you too, Matthew, and to your everyone out there, many blessings. God bless you all.